What is going on, crypto family? So today we got Eric Wade. He is the editor of Crypto Capital. They are backed by Stansberry Research. We had a lot of fun on the uh, on this little interview, I guess, or chat, whatever you want to call it exactly. I asked him a bunch of questions. He asked me a bunch of questions, and I give answers I don't think I've ever publicly said before. So it's a little different than our usual format, but it's a good time. You know, Eric's an established investor, a crypto miner, entrepreneur, business builder, has a newsletter where he tells people all of his top crypto picks for investing. I'm going to leave a little link for it in the description below if you want to subscribe. So enough of me rambling. Let's go check out Eric and I'll catch you on the other side. What is going on, crypto family? So today we got Eric Wade. He is the editor for Crypto Capital. That's put out there by Stansbury Research. That's awesome to get you on here and kind of hear your thoughts on the crypto market. So appreciate you coming on, buddy. Absolutely. Big fan of yours. Uh, you put out some great content. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we just we cover what the audience you know wants us to, and that's one of the reasons why you're here. So you're actually going to be at the uh, World CryptoCon uh, with us as well, right? So I'm yeah, looking absolutely. forward to meeting you. In October, I'm very much looking forward to it. I went to uh, last year's World CryptoCon, and well, I compliment them as well that they get a lot of big names and big projects in the crypto space all in Vegas at the same time, same place. So end of October. Very much looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise. It's going to be a great time for sure. So that kind of brings us to, to blockchain and crypto, right? So, you know, you've got, uh, you know, quite, a, I guess, uh, experience in, in mining and things like that. You want to kind of walk us through how you got into crypto? What got you a bit by the bug, so to speak, and, um, and, why, and why you're still doing it? I'd like to say uh, I, was, I was pretty well primed for crypto when it came around. Uh, and by that, I mean, I grew up in New Mexico, just outside of Los Alamos. There was a scientific lab there and both of my parents worked there. So I was very familiar with the concept of secrecy and cryptography and uh, codes, things like that. And then I went to college and studied economics, history, philosophy, and you can just right there, you probably know everything you need to know about why I was ready to hear about uh, cryptocurrencies when they came about. My first real grown-up job was in finance as a financial consultant, ended up working my way up to be a financial manager at a huge uh, brokerage. So I was around money in the real sense and around money and you know, my, my college days of the, kind of the theoretical aspects of money. And uh, the first I heard about Bitcoin, right? a peer-to-peer, easy to me, it, it, it was it was is math on one side and common sense on the other side. It was it was easy for me to see. Wow, a a currency, so to speak, that runs on your computer and anyone can start it. And and we were off to the races, right? I, I loved um, Bitcoin from the beginning. It was kind of difficult. It was easy to see the value kind of difficult to navigate, right? And I know a lot of people, there was a bit of a learning curve. And then once you've got that invested in it and you think, hey, I can do this and uh, almost burnt up my first laptop um, mining Bitcoin and then realized, yeah, I need more powerful miners than this. I need to get deeper involved. And uh, then I fell in love with Ethereum, the whole idea of uh, smart contracts and you know more functionality besides just um, peer-to-peer and store of value and uh, started building my own Ethereum miners and uh, mining that like crazy. And uh, you know, if, uh, the old story, if, if one miner is a good idea, then five or 10 is... Yeah. 
idea, you know, and uh, my, my house couldn't handle it. And my, my wife, um, God bless her, was as tolerant as you could expect someone to be when circuits were starting to get blown and, you know, the dishwasher comes on and everything shuts off. So I had to move it out uh, to the garage and then start looking for other places to host miners. And, um, and it just kept growing. And then you start looking at the, the rest of the industry. And you start seeing oh, who, who's the leaders, like what's next? And uh, 2017 came and made it made everybody look like geniuses, right? That uh, cryptos were going up faster than you could sell them. And, and it was uh, a crazy, amazing time. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are surprised to find out that I was, I wasn't involved professionally with crypto through any of that uh, until the market turned over and we went into the bear market. And 2018 was when I actually joined uh, an affiliate of Stansberry and started writing about crypto because I was in this interesting place where I, I, I knew it, I understood it, I had been mining it, and um, they needed someone to come on board and write about crypto. So I, I joined, started researching it from the standpoint of uh, creating value and wealth for people and, and content like you do, and just have never lost my, my enthusiasm for it and the, the industry as a whole right the the full spectrum of people who who toil in in anonymity who, who are doing it because they love it and they, they they don't care if anybody finds out and then all the way to the other side which is the uh the big companies the blue chips the the public personas all of that whole spectrum I, of crypto I, I find fascinating and i guess probably my biggest surprise that i have to keep reminding myself and and i'm going to ask you what you think about this when i'm done saying it is I'm surprised how how few people are involved with crypto and how uh, relatively small it is. Three hundred billion dollars uh, general market cap, right? Couple hundred billion for Bitcoin, a hundred billion for everything else, and it it feels big from the inside. But when you compare that to other industries, other businesses, the world-changing technologies that I think this is, you agree or disagree, it's, it feels huge to those of us that are in it because it's grown so fast and we can see the future. But agree or disagree, is it from the outside looking in, may look smaller to some people. They may, they may think they still have time to learn about this um, before it really explodes, before we hit that trillion, two trillion, ten trillion dollars. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is it is super small, and we are kind of in our own little bubble, so to speak. Especially when you know less than one percent of people are really in crypto, and then you know the one percent of us that are, you know, the, not all of them are in it for the tech, right? They're they're waiting for their bags to go back up. But when you when you look at um, you know the market as a whole, you look at you know companies like Apple or Amazon, these companies that are you know worth you know eight hundred billion a trillion dollars, depending on you know where the market's at. Yeah. And then you yeah. look at our market cap, right? We got thousands of these different cryptocurrency projects and you're trying to tell me that none of them have the value or potential value of like an Apple or an Amazon out of the thousands and thousands of companies out there. I would, I believe that there are a few out there for sure. You know, maybe, maybe not all of them, but maybe a couple of them. So I think we're going to see just the value of those companies eventually bring the market cap up. Right now it's super small. And I think a lot of that has to do with fear, you know, kind of, you know, not just fear, uncertainty, doubt, like FUD, you know, but I think it's a uh, fear from regulation. I think that people are, you know, like these, these big banks, that are coming in, um, some that are already here, you know, got their toes wet a little bit. They're still waiting for some some clarity, I think, in regulation. It's something we haven't really had yet with taxes, you know, as far as what uh, what everything is going to be considered. 
Um, I, I think once we have a little bit more clarity, and I think Facebook might help bring us that because they're going to be, you know, basically going toe to toe, you know, with uh, with a lot of the the big three letter acronyms, and as well as uh, you know Congress and everybody else trying to figure out, you know, are, are you trying to replace the dollar? How far are they going to let them go? All, all of the, I think a lot of the. I guess the lack of clarity we don't current or currently have, I think we're going to start getting. And once we have that, some of these bigger institutions will come in with their money. It raises up the market cap. Uh, that makes everybody else happy because people that are holding bags of whatever coins or tokens, usually rising tides rise all ships. And so once, once we have a little bit more clarity and some of the bigger guys come in, I think, you know, there's, there's plenty of room to grow. And I think we really haven't seen anything yet. Um, but I do think that, you know, a lot of these altcoin projects, I would say, like I've been saying for forever, like 95% were going to go just the way of the dodo, right? Just like in businesses, you have sure. 100 restaurants, you know, maybe only five succeed. And it's going to be the same thing in crypto in general. So people that are just like holding on desperately to these bags of crypto that may be worthless, they're going to be holding for a long time. But things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, some of the, the top 20s, um, some of the new stuff that we haven't seen yet, I think the, those will be successful in the end. Some of them, some of them won't. But um, I think once we have clarity and some more regulation a little bit, not too much, that's when you'll start to see things pick up. And that's when it'll be big for everybody else as well. Yeah, I agree. We're on the same page on that. I uh, I, I like to scan the broad aspects of crypto and, and look for you know, what's next. I like to find them early, but uh, this is an industry with a lot of volatility. If you're looking at the prices and an industry with a lot of innovation and, you know, the, uh, the, the amazing innovation can just create such a phenomenal updraft when, when it, when it catches someone's uh, imagination, right? When it, when it, when it solves a problem, or the perception of it. And, you know, a couple of those come and go and, and that's what people talk about, right? The, 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 the audience, the outsiders, the, the viewers, um, bag holders, any of those, the traders, uh, you know, what catches their attention? What, what, what story do they go tell their, their friends? And, uh, and that was kind of, to me, that was an amazing part of 2017 that uh, I feel like is different this time. And I, I don't like getting trapped with the expression of uh, this time is different. I'm just saying it's a, we, we're, we're growing, right? Like every, every wave, uh, 2011, 2013, 2015, they all had their own personalities. Um, can, can you, can you remember, um, Mt. Gox flash crash, right? Uh, yeah. and dropped down to where it, at some point it was trading for pennies. Right. And, and in any industry other than crypto that might've killed it, but then on the other side, there's, there's these rallies that all have their own personality. In my opinion, we'll never get a 2017 type rally again, but that's not to say that the numbers won't look similarly. So, so that was uh, another question I kind of wanted to talk to you about was the audiences, right? The people who are listening to the experts or, or doing their own research. That's the, that's the best part is, is the combination of, of listening to the you's and the listening to the me's and doing their own research, are you seeing any differences in the questions you're getting asked, in the research people are doing, in the, um, the thoughts that they're coming up with? Are, are you seeing any difference in who, who it is that's talking about it and, and what their expectations are? Because I certainly am. Yeah, I mean, just from the community in general, uh, they've, they've become more savvy, right? So, you know, yeah. some, you know they, they bought into some of the hype earlier, and now they're a little bit more reluctant to just, you know, dive in, right, with you know, trading one token for the other. Um, they're asking, you know, harder questions. 
you know, they're actually looking into things a little bit more. And then of course you still have the same people that are out there that, you know, Hey, my buddy said this thing's going to moon. So they're going to go buy some, but it's a lot smaller that retail mania that we had in, you know, 17 that, you know, kind of fizzled out, uh, really fizzled out. Um, you know, we, we're not seeing that anymore, but the people that are still here, they got bit, you know, they got hurt a little bit. So now they're asking tougher questions. They're getting, they've, they've gotten a lot more savvy people that, um, you know, I talk to, you know, just through my channels, you know, they're, they're definitely the layer of education has gone up, you know, for them. Um, but again, there's, there's still some people out there that just don't get it. But, um, I would say, you know, like you said, more, more are getting, you know, more, they're getting better educated, I think. And so they're asking better questions. Well, I'm going to use, if you don't mind, um, not to embarrass you at all, but I'm going to use like the Monarch website as a perfect example of that is that it's a crypto uh, service provider and someone that goes to the website, I know I'm talking because your hat just, just kind of made me think about it again, but you go to the website, you poke around, you're looking at the services. It's a, it's a perfect combination of services that the uh, end user wants, but information that they can um, access it. It's, it's easily understood, right? And, and, and there's more and more of those websites out there, more and more apps on the phones. Um, not to take anything away from what you guys are doing, but um, when someone looks into that, I think it, you found this nice balance. And I think crypto 2019 is finding that balance of um, the white paper has to read well, Right. I have to have a technology that actually works and, and solves the problem and is um, bulletproof. But it also has to be approachable. It also has to be something that the new guy comes on and says, now, see, that's what I've been waiting for. That's what I was looking for, because I think the future for crypto is bigger than, than the past. And I don't just mean um, price wise. I mean, services. I mean, someone entrusting the, the services that you're providing. So um, you, you as an entrepreneur and monarch, I think you built upon the experience people had and you're delivering something valuable and you're not the only one, there's, there's, there's more of them, that you're building something valuable that's accessible. And I think that that's a new personality, right? That, that the, the retail customer doesn't necessarily have to FUD their way into it, right? They don't have to FOMO their way into crypto like maybe past rallies have done because there is more explanation. Now, I don't want to say handholding because I don't, I don't think you do that. I think that's almost patronizing in some respects, but a, a good, clean explanation of this is what the services we offer and this is why they're valuable. And, and, I, and I commend you guys on that. Uh, it's what, one of the reasons I, I really like Monarch and I look at it as possible future leader in this space. And I got to tell you, um, your, your one, one-stop KYC solution, I got a million questions about that. What's the, what's the, uh, what's the power behind that? That, that? That's brilliant to me, I think. Because, right? We've all gone through KYC issues. And, and uh, I mean, how many times have I taken a selfie and sent it off to somebody? And then Binance, uh, their database gets hacked, right? With the, what, what got hacked? The KYC database. Yep. So I'm, I'm complimenting you on the one side and saying, I got a big question on the other side of that. Uh, what's your KYC secret? How does that work? Gotcha. So, I mean, with Monarch, I, I appreciate the compliments and, and kind words. Obviously, you know, our, our team works, you know, just <laughs> night and day on this to, to make it the best thing out there that we possibly can for people. Basically, the, the one app to allow access to all apps that are cryptocurrency based. So whether you want to buy, sell, exchange, you want to access crypto games or file storage or whatever, 
you'll just have one login to access all the best companies and all the best services through Monarch. The KYC side of things is basically it, you, the user, would control your KYC data and you would decide who you send that data to. All that stuff, you know, is completely you know, safe, secure, decentralized, as well as encrypted. So we're not basically, you know, just putting a bunch of stuff on a server and having it sit, sit at the office that uh, some hacker can come and, you know, you know, and grab access to. And so with our, um, you know, with us acquiring a, a broker-dealer license, we obviously have to maintain some levels of KYC for people that buy and sell cryptocurrencies and things sure. like that. And so when we, re- when we collect that data there, it's all air gapped. So none of that's live. Like you can't, you know, hack Monarch and have access to any of anything because Monarch is decentralized. And so with the KYC stuff that we would collect for those instances, those are air gapped. And so good luck hacking them, right? So they're not here at location. They're off site. So anybody, they would have to figure out where it's at and then figure out, you know, how to turn them on and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, yeah, we definitely try to take, you know, the security very seriously. I mean, if you look at, um, we're non-custodial, so obviously we don't have to worry about that. But you look at things like, you know, Mt. Gox, you mentioned them earlier. I mean, they lost 850,000 Bitcoin or something like that. You look at... Yeah, uh, it's massive. Yeah, I mean, you look at... Uh, there, there's so many others. But I mean, if you look at Binance, you know, today, they just lost all their users' KYC data. Somebody hacked them. I guess they wanted to charge 300 Bitcoin, if I remember right, to, to keep them from releasing the data. Yeah. But, you, know, you know, I mean, I really don't want to talk bad on CZ, but they charge 250 Bitcoin from what I've been told just to list on Binance. So they're charging all these different crypto companies 250 Bitcoin to put your your token or your coin on their website, but they won't pay 300 Bitcoin to keep their users' data safe. So, you know, that's, uh, I guess that's for another discussion, but uh, anyways, I digress, I digress. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I liked about the Monarch engine, and I think think you guys have uh, touched on not, not just you, but I think you're grabbing a piece of the industry that needs to happen, which is the um, l- let this one piece work bulletproof. And then as apps and dApps are built on top of it, um, they, they know that your, well, the Monarch engine, so to speak, um, allows them to focus on what they do. Right. And it's it's the, the to me, it's a nice balance of decentralized, but not everybody has to reinvent every piece of it every time. And that kind of brings me to the last thing I wanted. to. And, and I don't know if your your viewers were privy to this or not, that um, when when we first started talking together uh, about this about today, I said, uh, am I going to be able to ask you questions as well? Because I think you've got probably as much to share in this space as any as anyone that you've interviewed. Um, but my, my my last question I had for you was specifically. Uh, you're, you're definitely an entrepreneur. And I could kind of see that what you've built is almost, if I could go back in time, I think you were building something that you wish you had, right? When you were being uh, more entrepreneurial, maybe uh, earlier in, in your, your career. And, and that tells me that you're building something that you think can stretch through the future and appeal to other entrepreneurs. But in a macro sense, do you think in the next few years, we're going to see entrepreneurs who have nothing to do with crypto, with blockchain, with that technology, entrepreneurs, you know, kind of, kind of using it without ever thinking they're using it, right? Without, without, without seeking it out. Because I think you and I are in the group of people that we caught the bug and then we're looking for everything we could possibly do 
with it. And I think there's a wave out there, maybe not the next wave, maybe a couple waves out is business owners, entrepreneurs who just take it for granted. Uh, I'm, I'm calling them generation zero X, right? The kids who, who start asking for their allowance in Bitcoin or something, right? The kids that are growing up their first, their first car loan may be tied to Bitcoin when it's uh, inflation under 1%, right? The, the generation zero X, the guys who haven't even gotten first allowance yet, maybe, and life is going to change for them. And then when they become entrepreneurs, they're going to be building on top of stuff. And, and that it, it's impossible to guess, but you as an entrepreneur, what, what do you think? Do you think they're, we're going to get to a point where crypto is the OS that nobody even thinks about anymore, the DOS, the Windows, that they don't even think about it anymore? I mean, I'm happy with crypto just basically, you know, freeing the world as far as having a peer-to-peer -peer digital currency that they can take anywhere in the world. I think it's already won in that respect. It doesn't have the adoption, but I think that in itself is incredible. Obviously, what blockchain is going to bring to the world, I definitely agree with you that people are going to be using it in the future. People, you know, it could be used for so many different things. But even if it just stopped at peer-to-peer -peer cash, it's already a huge win for the world. After having said that, I do think that uh, it's going to get a lot easier. It's going to get a lot more simple to use. And you can already see these blockchain companies that, you know, are launching, you know, personalized blockchains for people that can run them without having to know how it works. Granted, they're not to, you know, the, you know, I guess to the competence that they need to be, but they will be in time. And so just like with Facebook, when you click that little thumbs up button and it works, you don't know the algorithm, you don't know any of the code, how it works, right. you just a little thumbs exactly. up button and it does it. That's exactly. what we're going to see with blockchain in the future. You know, we have a, we have a ways to go, but, um, you know, the infrastructure will, you know, you can see that it's being built now. You can see that it's improving. It's getting better. It still has a long ways to go. But like you said, Generation Zero X, maybe it's a couple waves down. You know, that's, that's where we're going to see some really, really cool stuff. And, and with Monarch, what we want to do is create, you know, one app to access them all. So we create that safe hub, you know, like you said, where people just plug into it and it gives them access to all these different cool services and all these different companies. And so when those come out, you know, our users will have access to them and those companies will have access to our users. And so... It's definitely coming. It's just a matter of when. And so, you know, I, I, you know, basically we built something that we, that we would use, something that we need. And so, um, you know, looking, looking into the future, we're just going to keep doing the same thing. And those, those projects and businesses you're, you're speaking of, when they're there, uh, they'll probably be plugged into Monarch as well. Yeah. I was thinking earlier today that um, when YouTube launched, most people who liked YouTube were, were viewers, obviously, right? And then there was the uh, content providers. And you may or may not remember, but most of us didn't own phones that could video and then upload that video to YouTube, right? So the, the website was launched when we would have to get out a, a, a camera and film something and then uh, take the SD card or whatever it is, uh, the memory stick, and you know, import that in the computer and then use a completely different program to edit it and then upload it over, you know, slower connections, probably, you know, we all had Wi-Fi back then, but you'd upload it and you'd sit there and wait. And in one generation, right now we have phones, you, you stream, streaming was impossible back then, let alone the idea of I'm going to film myself and, you know, upload it from my phone. So the phone had more capabilities now than any of us had back then. And um, so much so that Vine has come and gone, right? Like, like we've even, we, we've advanced so far with the personal video phenomenon that we're actually losing companies on it. 
It's, it's, it's mature enough that something as amazing as Vine with their hundreds of millions of users or something like that, it failed, right? It was a fantastic part of the cycle. So you, you apply that to, to blockchain and you think, you know, the, the tools that people need to really get into this, to streamline this, uh, a lot of them aren't even built yet. They're coming. They're coming. I hear about um, you know Samsung with its blockchain phone and whatnot, and that's a wallet, right? That's that's rudimentary compared to the five-year, ten-year tools that we're going to have, and uh, that, that you know we can't even imagine. Well, it's fun to imagine, but I'm certain. Maybe I'm wrong. Agree with me? Disagree? There's going to be some surprises, right? There's going to be some things that come out that um, even forward-looking guys like ourselves and everybody who's watching this, who uh, your audience clearly forward-looking. Right. And they're going to say, wow, that's a that's a neat implementation of that technology, crypto, blockchain, um, any of this. Right. Peer to peer, decentralized. What's coming? We don't know. And that's one of the yeah. that's one of the beauties of it is what you think, you know, you don't because it's, it's going to yeah. be so much better or so much different. And nobody really knows. All, you know, it's just like if you looked at the, the early days of the Internet and the adoption of it and the companies you thought it would make it and be huge, you know, disappear. Yeah. You know, bookstore on the internet. Who thought that would ever take off? And look at Amazon now. Yeah. You know, so there's there's so many things that we just we have no idea currently. We think we do, but we don't. And it's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. And um, I'm definitely you know excited for it. So you got bit by the bug, and now you spend your time you know basically looking at projects and I guess deciphering which ones are you know possibly investable, right? So something that your audience you know looks to you and they're like, hey, Eric, yeah, absolutely. Is this a solid project? You know, so you're you're kind of reviewing projects, you're you're picking investments. You know, how'd you how'd you get into that space? A lot of meetings. Um, I was I was in that good problem to have stage where I had mentioned I have kind of a financial background and um, you want to have a reasonable portfolio, right? Enough enough different pieces of your portfolio so that um, you're not overly risking with too much exposure to any one crypto. And I had built this kind of this little farm of Ethereum miners and they're cranking out Ethereum tokens. And uh, it was doing really well, but they were, I, w- I was every day, you know, you open your wallet and there's, there's more Ethereum in there. So I started looking at um, ICOs. I started looking at other tokens that I thought were, I guess I'd say innovating in the space, in the, in the, 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 the easiest concept to understand, right? Who's thinking ahead, who's solving problems. And that's a big theme for me is uh, thinking ahead. Is there, is there a strong future and are you solving a problem? And then within that solving a problem, are, are you solving the problems that you face, right? So to me, problems is, is, is almost like two sides of a coin. Uh, are, you, are you solving the world's problems or a big pool of um, possible future users? And if you've got a bottleneck or if you've got a technology that needs to be built, right? Something that could prevent you from, from kind of getting out there. Are you solving that? And um, you're just filtering you know, cryptos, looking at it like that. Is, is this a problem people care about? And are you going to be able to get it done? Right? Are you going to be able to deliver on this? And then you start thinking, well, in order to know if you can deliver on it, what's the team? Who's working on this? And uh, crypto has a lot of surprising players. A lot of people that um, until, until you hear their name you know, and look into their background, you think, okay, it makes sense now. It makes sense that this person would be dominant in crypto. Um, but you may have never thought about them before that, right? So you, you, you do need to kind of dig around. You need to look at what their projects are, the successes. And in some cases, um, are they building on top of a, a, a great failure? 
did they did they learn from that and um then can i get in into and out of the crypto <laughs> that's that's something that i think um a lot of people a lot of investors learn the hard way is what's what's my round trip going to look like can i buy this on a good exchange can i get out of it can i mine it can i can i trade for it um crypto's peer to peer a lot of times you're swapping uh your cryptos for other things that uh, you know for other cryptos that may not be as liquid yet and will they be when it's when it's time to sell so i sort of i sort of used all these common sense yeah, i need this to i need this to fit i used those as sort of my uh sort of my rule set for how i get into a crypto and i came up with these seven parameters that if i if i don't feel strongly about them then i i i wait for an opportunity to uh to feel strongly but if i do if those seven kind of come together and uh and that's what i share with my readers right is because because there's a lot of these cryptos there's no dividends there's no earnings in some cases some of them are sitting on a big pile of money some of them have never raised any money right they're they're sitting on a big pile of talent or something or a, or a fantastic idea and uh, you as an entrepreneur can back me up on this is a great idea isn't enough you know, we've all sat down and had a beer with people who have got fantastic ideas and mind blowing ideas and that's just not enough and um, so you kind of you kind of start weaving those together and you look for cryptos that you think are just going to dominate and then you pull the trigger right you get involved with them and i go to a lot of meetings i go to a lot of conferences some of them well okay my standard line here is some of them you've heard about some of you haven't but that doesn't fly with you because you're you're pretty well uh, dialed in so um some conferences that that a lot of people haven't heard of but um you you'll you'll, you'll know what i'm saying is you go to these conferences you walk the expo and then you set the meetings up right and the meetings that nobody knows about is where a lot of this gets done and uh talking to people that are on the somewhere on that scale of uh entrepreneur and investor right somebody that's that's got something at stake and um and learn and and uh, I write a lot but I probably read 10 times as much as I as I write and that's that's the big one is reading and reading and sorting out what what is the what is the future hold and how can i grab a piece of that and and where those meet right down the middle that's what excites me gotcha man just soaking it up so yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely awesome and then for your newsletter you know kind of how does it work say for instance you know i, I join your newsletter what could i expect to to get what what would i be reading you know each each month or each week every every month we put out a pretty long in depth uh, newsletter. We're finding new cryptos, trying to introduce people and make the case for it. Um, something that you may not have heard about or or overlooked. And every week, I put out a weekly update. Uh, that's a video form, and uh, you know, put the transcript out. But so my my readers get something every week. They get something every month that's really in depth, maybe about the industry and about something we've uncovered, uh, as well as just timely. Uh, you know, e emails or alerts. Um, we're also part of the Stansberry family. So um, that's a huge financial publishing company and a lot of communications with subscribers through them. So um, they're working on, uh, I'm pretty excited for this. It's not, it's not a blockchain or a crypto solution, but they're working on a computer system they call terminal and that will be in uh, think of it like a bloomberg terminal but it'll be access to 
uh, all stock and all crypto prices kind of in one place. And, and boy, am I excited for the future of that. It's been under development for a long time. And, and, and you, you also know you develop it and you release it as fast as you can, but not until it's done. Right. So the, the terminal I'm looking forward to as a way to communicate even faster with readers that I can put an idea out there and, and boom, it's out. And, uh, and we even have some um, subscribers that are hooked up to us through uh, SMS. If I, I say something, I publish something right there on their phone and um, great world, <laughs> right? Sure. Uh, great world being able to communicate with people just so fast. Yeah. Communication is key, especially being able to reach your, your readers, right? So have you noticed any, you know, I guess, um, you know, downsizing the audience due to the, you know, the crypto market, you see altcoins, you know, you see the Bitcoin dominance, you know, creeping up on 70%. A lot of people are just saying altcoins are dead. They're not coming back. Not that anybody knows, but they're just saying that, right? Because it's right. It's popular to say it, right? Because everybody's right. smart right now. They're like, oh, all these cryptos are dead. All these projects are dead. Well, I think 95% of them are for sure. But, you know, what What do you say to your readers on the projects that you're putting in front of them, right? You know, why, why would they believe you or trust you and, and not think that, you know, all the coins are, are going to zero other than Bitcoin or Ethereum like, you know, the people on TV are saying? And that's a great question because it, to me, that is exactly why I'm starting looking at, you know, is it, is it solving a problem we care about? And is there a future for this? And better than just a good idea. To me, that's, that's key because I like, I like the good ideas like anybody else. But uh, you, you look at the cryptos that are out there and sort through them through any method possible and try to get a feel for what the industry needs. I will tell you, I was a little surprised at how much difficulty the industry is having with STOs. I felt like STOs were going to be bigger and faster in 2019. Um, I haven't put a lot of faith into STOs, but some of the service providers, right? The picks and shovels, the polymaths, um, things like that. I'm watching these really closely because it's a great story, tokenizing anything, assets, stocks, houses, real estate, anything. I, I really like tokenizing, but I also really like the idea that, well, through STOs, that someone has done their homework on it and their paperwork, right? You, you, you follow what I'm saying is that, that the, the, the promise that STOs held was someone's doing the paperwork on this and that it's, it's, um, it's, it, it's been professionally prepared and that investors have a kind of a late level playing field. And that's a great story. That's exciting to think like trillions of dollars invested in stocks and bonds and derivatives and, and real estate, trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. And you think, okay, so STOs could be the interface that wraps assets that we already wanted to invest in, in blockchain. And frankly, I'm surprised at how slow it's going. Uh, takes us back to something you and I were talking about earlier with the regulators and the regulations. And, you know, the, the regulators, they've got one pedal, right? The brake pedal. And that's it. And regulations, that's doing its job. That is when it does its job. But I've been to conferences where they say, you know, they're using laws that were built in 1933 and 1934 to save investors from something that wasn't even possible back then, right? 80 some odd years have passed since the securities laws of uh, 33 and 34 that most securities brokers, and, and they've been tweaked over the years, but the SEC and all these three name agencies, 
Their job is how does crypto fit into this? How does futures, how does Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin, all cryptos, but look at just Bitcoin. Bitcoin never wanted to be a stock. It doesn't want to have a dividend. It doesn't want to have a you know annual meeting, an annual report, a 10Q, a 10K, right? Bitcoin never wanted to have that. It doesn't want to be equity. It doesn't want to be a fixed income product, a bond, a junk bond. It doesn't any of that. Never asked for that. So you've got these investors, these professionals on Wall Street, that that's the language they speak. And they're holding, I think, a lot of cryptos to a standard that crypto never wanted to be a part of. And we've got this tug of war going. And I think STO, when a great idea, a lot of great providers and it's saying, hey, how would you like to be able to have your um, assets tokenized and the tokens can be um, geofenced and we can uh, KYC and we can make sure that people are um, suitable investors? That all sounds great. I have no problem with that. All sounds great. Very exciting about um, STOs. But it's yeah. not happening because it's happening at the speed of regulation. And I, and I think it's surprising a lot of people that how slow the regulators can move on these. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I definitely think we're going to see the, the tokenization of, of all assets, you know, via the digital world. Right. But, you know, the regulators have a tough job, too, because they're, they're looking at this thing from lots of different angles. They have to keep the investors safe. They also have to make sure they protect the dollar. You know, they also have to make sure that uh, everything is, you know, done legitimately. Everybody gets, you know, their, their piece, you know, somebody is paying taxes, you know, they, they got the right, uh, you know, certifications and whatnot, and licenses to do things. And so they, they've got a tough job of keeping everything, I guess, you know, on the up and up and keeping people protected. So, well, I think once we get that uh, regulation in place and hopefully it's not, you know, the iron fist, hopefully it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit more soft than that. Um, that's when you're going to start seeing things take off because if they just let people go crazy right now with STOs, yeah, we'd probably see the market cap shoot up like crazy. You'd have a, a new level of crypto interest like we've never seen before, but a lot of people would probably get hurt. We'd have all kinds of scams. And so they, they do have a tough job for sure. But They um, do. And well, not to mention that there's um, companies and industries that uh, you have to regulate for foreign investment, you know, insider trading, things like that, right? And crypto grew up without worrying about that. None of that was important, you know, in the first decade of crypto because everybody was his own holder, right? It was peer-to-peer. It was self-determination. It was decentralized. But if you're going to start wrapping, say, uh, General Dynamics, IBM, something like that, technologies, you're going to start wrapping those in SEO and then maybe somebody from a hostile country invests in it or tries to take a technology out. So uh, I'm not anti-regulation, but I think, I think uh, I'll stand by that, that I think it was moving slower than a lot of people are, are used to, a lot yeah. of people are expecting. So. Yeah, well, we all know the government moves, you know, kind of slow, unless, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unless they really want something to go through. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, more about you, man. What do you do for fun? You know, what, uh, what's Eric do to unplug and just uh, get his mind off crypto and get uh, family, kids, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, or? sunny SoCal and uh, I, I, I love the Southern California lifestyle. And um, my wife is also very entrepreneurial. So we're always talking about um, fun businesses and projects that she's working on. My daughter's in the music industry. So um, we got a, a house full of music all the time. She's moved out and grown up and uh, married. But uh, our house has a lot of, 
a lot of that, a lot of arts and a lot of, a lot of music in it. And, and again, Southern California. So you got activity around you all the time. A lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my wife's favorite places because they got Disneyland down there. Right. So yeah. What about yeah. you? You have uh, any hidden talents or skills that uh, the world doesn't know about? <laughs> oh boy, they're probably pretty dusty since I discovered um, crypto because that uh, takes up all the time that you'll give it. But uh, actually, used to be a trumpet player a long time ago, and that kind of bu- that, that put in the uh, the left half of the brain for music and the love of arts and I love being around music. So that would be a, a hidden talent. Is um, I'm more of a consumer. Than than any kind of producer now, but <laughs> gotcha. I, I wish I could say golf was a hidden talent. Um, it's a love. I'm probably one of the worst golfers out there. Who still <laughs> <love me. laughs> well, I was going to ask I you this. Invented by a, uh, by a masochist. Someone Scottish. What, 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 what can I invent that I will never be that good at and always be working hard, struggling at? Yeah, the, you know, the, the Scottish, they created golf. It was a leather bag filled with like feathers and they right. would sticks, you know, to hit it. And they would just go out there and get blind drunk and just have a good time. And How can now, I make this as hard as possible, right? Instead of pick up the little leather bag and carry it, I'll, I'll try to whack it with the end of a tiny stick and uh, exactly. make it as hard as possible. So. Well, you mentioned golf. Yourself, what do you do for fun? What is uh, any, any same questions back at you? Hidden talents, anything fun yes. Do you have any uh, time away from, from crypto and entrepreneurialism? Yeah, I mean, I, I work 24-7 for the most part. But um, you know, what, I, what I enjoy doing is taking my, my family and friends on trips. And while I'll be working on my laptop or things like that, you know, we get to see the world. And so that's, yeah. that's one of the things that I really enjoy doing is taking you know, a big group of, you know, friends and family. We usually travel 20, 30 of us at a time and um, we wow. just go to different parts of the world and I get to work, they get to see stuff. And so that's, that's, that's fantastic. All. Yeah, that's always a, a fun thing. And uh, hidden talents. Um, I don't know, man, you know, I can code. I've been in martial arts since I was six years old. So a lot of people don't don't expect that from me. And, you know, a lot of my friends are UFC fighters, but uh, yeah, most of the guys are on TV and I don't, and I don't bring them around or, you know, mention them, you know, like that. But uh, yeah, so some people don't know that about me, I guess. I've got a lot of, a lot of respect for that. I, uh, I stumbled into martial arts in as, as uh, judo, as just, you know, my, my father thought, Hey, everybody should know some self-defense. And then in college, um, competed for a while in um, Shotokan Shoranru. And uh, I should probably pick it back up because it's just so good for you. And, you know, seeing guys that can actually apply that in, um, you know, in the ring or as an exercise, it's, it's so good for you. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, that wasn't a, a hidden talent. I didn't know that about you. So. Yeah, it's one of those things you got nobody to blame but yourself too. So that way, yeah. if, uh, if you suck it up yeah. in the ring, you know it's not like you can blame it on your coach. Your <laughs> well, I like I I, I have a kind of a um, ongoing mental challenge for myself of sports that it's always the same for each competitor, right? Like uh, like you could say maybe bowling. It's, it's, you know, every, every bowler is just him against himself or herself, right? That there isn't a uh, wind or snow or something like that. And, you know, boxing, mixed martial arts, things like that. It's it, obviously it's you know, the, the, the level of the competitor that you face, but it's two athletes against each other that don't, sun didn't get in their eyes. One of them isn't, you know, fighting uphill. 
it seems like a really nice level playing field and your, your preparation and your mental attitude and your, your abilities are tested. And um, you, again, just from someone who's always been on the outside of the ring or the octagon in that respect. And I, and I, I, I did do a, a lot of sparring and competition, much different when I was doing it in karate, right? The point was to look like you could have landed the blow, but not hurt anybody. It was sparring at that level. And it was um, points, right? How close can I get? Could I have landed the blow? And everything was padded. And then you watch these guys get in the ring in uh, MMA. And um, what was the old Mike, Mike Tyson expression? Uh, Everybody's got a game plan until they get punched in the face. You get punched in the face. And uh, which brings us back to crypto, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have known, right? We should have known all those bags, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So, what about uh, what about books? What's your favorite book? Something that's important. I'm, that you uh, my, fa- my favorite is um, Safety and Amos, um, Bitcoin Standard, and boy, that's a uh, there's a lot packed into that, and uh, shouldn't surprise you because of my philosophy, history, economics background, and that is it could be a textbook right? For philosophy, history, economics. Sure. But right now I'm reading Bitcoin Pizza by um, Samantha Radicchio. I always get the name wrong, but it's uh, lighthearted, a lot more approachable and got, have a, it has a lot of um, futurism in it. And I like that. A lot of looking ahead five and 10 years, which is just fascinating. Right when when the microtransactions really take over the where crypto I think kills that it doesn't get enough credit for microtransactions the transactions nobody else would want and um, crypto is just going to clobber that and uh, Bitcoin Pizza is uh, I think touches on a lot of that and if there's anybody who can't read enough about crypto and is looking for something that's just a really approachable book um, I like that one and. Uh, my book I can't put down is um, uh, Crypto Wizards. It's actually written by the guys um, uh, Sean Jai and uh, Casey, uh, and um, they're the uh, Digix DAO guys, uh, tokenizing gold. Yeah. A lot of interviews in that book from um, crypto thought leaders. So there's there's three of them. You asked for one, and uh, I gave you three. What, uh, you're, what about yourself? What should I read next? <laughs> so again, my favorite books. Uh, I start with the Bible. You got four thousand years okay. of history there, so that's something I read every day. Then uh, I'd probably go Sun Tzu, Art of War. I oh think, yeah, uh, there's definitely things in there that uh, anybody can learn and and get value from. And then I guess if I had to pick a third book, hmm, uh, probably Satoshi White Paper. That was probably oh, one. that's great. Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of opens your I'm gonna, eyes. I'm gonna throw a suggestion at you if you like Art of War. And um, look up a book by Haro, H-A-R-R-O, von Sanger. And he is a, I'm going to say German, but let's just say European linguist who has translated stratagems from China uh, into into English. I don't know if you speak any or read any other languages, but look up um, 36 stratagems. And uh, Haro von Singer is the uh, the translator that I would I would look for his books first. But if you like Art of War, you will love this. It's it's like if if uh, if you were wishing there was a sequel to Art of War, and it's not a sequel per se. It doesn't have anything to do with that. But it's that type of thinking and those stratagems, right? Where where he'll break into Chinese wisdoms like a kill with a borrowed knife, for example, things like that. And it, and it's 
It's got a lot of war base to it, but a lot of history, thousands of years of Chinese history as well. So yeah, grab that if you're inter- interested in uh, Art of War. It'll take you to another level for you. Sun Tzu, brilliant. The Chinese stratagems, even more so, I think. I think you appreciate it. I'm excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, download it tonight, man. So, <laughs> And last question, man. If you had a time machine and you could go forward in time or you could go back in time, but you had to stay there, you couldn't leave, when and why? Holy cow, that's a curveball of a question. <laughs> I love talking about um, time travel, and I've got, actually got some projects in the future that are uh, <laughs> about time travel. But boy, I don't know. I'd probably have to flip a coin on that. I, I'd probably say future, but that brings up the dilemma of family, loved ones. With that said, and this is um, its going to sound like a cop-out, but it's not. But the one I, I heard someone ask one time, the, the question we all hear, right, is uh, if you could meet one historical pers- person from history, who would it be? And interview them, who would it be? And uh, I heard someone answer that question of Jesus. And, you know, hearkening back to what you, what you said you read and you think, wow, once you hear that, who, who else compares, right? And um, I, I'd hope he'd understand <laughs> that, that I went forward. <laughs> and I think he would, right? I, I, my, 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 my understanding of him is he would understand that I, that I didn't go back in time to meet him face to face, that uh, the faith is there, he's, he, right? Sure. But I future. I'm just so curious about it. And uh, then the next question is near future, far future. Whatever you want. Right? Right? How do you answer that? So, all right. So turnabout, fair play, forward, backward. (laughs) Okay. So, um, you know, with with Jesus, so I think he'd be okay meeting you in the future, right? If you play your cards right, you'll see him in the future. So that way you don't have to go back, right? Yeah. It's funny. I ask a lot of people this question, but, you know, I've never really thought about it myself. So on the spot thinking about it, I would probably, um, I wouldn't want to go too far back because obviously I want to keep, you know, the wife and the kids and my family and friends and businesses and, you know, all the relationships that we have. So I'd probably just go back, you know, maybe, maybe six or seven years ago to where my father-in-law died, get to spend a little more time with him. And then, um, you know, from there, I I still have everything else. So I might just make a a couple other different investments on, on the way to where I'm at today. So. Sure. Sure. Spend your time a little differently and, uh, maybe, uh, Life um, 2.0, Sa- same life, version two. There you go. Um, pump it up a little bit. Higher <laughs> bandwidth, a little higher TPS, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a good question. Fun, I'm glad you asked that. That came out of, kind of came out of as a as a curveball. Yeah. Thought because maybe it'll happen someday. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, Eric, my friend, this has been fun. I look forward to meeting you in person. There in, uh, yeah, absolutely. October. Yeah, World Crypto Conference. I look forward to meeting you in person. I'll make sure to get the links out for people so that way they can find your newsletter. And if they want to join, they can. So I'll make sure Fanfare to get that research.com. out. Thank you very much. Anytime. So I look forward to meeting you in person. So God bless and we'll talk to All you right. soon. Take care. Thank you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Big thanks to Eric. Appreciate you, buddy, coming on, telling us your story. For people that want to check out your newsletter, we'll leave a link in the description below. For people that want to go to World CryptoCon, make sure when you guys buy your tickets, make sure you send me an email so we can enter you to win the Monarch Cocktail Hour Party type thing that we're doing for a small group of people. That's in the description below. Just a friendly reminder, Crypto Beetle shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is a co 
co-founder of the Monarch Wallet, host of TradingView Sessions, CryptoBeetles on YouTube, and owns several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk. Please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the family. God bless you. Love you. Till the next one. Talk to you soon.